New Land Rover Defender. So damn sexy. Also, Lemon Car of the Year Contender 2020. <laughs> and Land Rover Australia, one of the more low-rent automotive brands in the nation. Again, still. Grubby attack on the freedom of speech here too. Icing on the friggin' cake. Details next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Even Land Rovers. If you want to do that to yourself, I mean, who am I to judge? But just saying, you may alternatively pay a stern German woman to flog you with a spiked bullwhip, like routinely, I don't know, once a fortnight or something. Slightly less painful, definitely cheaper. You can inquire at the website down there for that. The cheap new cars, that is. You're on your own, vis-a-vis -vis the flogging. I mean, do I look like your aspiring digital pimp? Probably best if you don't answer that. The epic shitbox we know and love as Defender in just a sec. But first, winners of the mighty Olight Warrior Mini Torches. I love these things. That's it's almost the stern chairman flogging right there. They are quite powerful. I suppose that's a similarity. Look, you might want to skip forward a couple of minutes if this sort of thing interests you not. However, got to follow through here because in a recent report, I did ask you to enter a quasi-competition by telling me what modal separation was in the comments. <laughs> An accuracy not nearly so important as sheer entertainment value. Lots of entries flooded in, and here are the three best arbitrary answers. Number three, from a dude named Adam Mansbridge. Modal separation. Mode one, negotiating forcefully for a new car. Mode two, ogling the Ming Mole. Optimizing for one, de-optimizes the other. That's quite clever, not to mention absolutely true. It certainly does de-optimize the other. I think that's a blood supply thing outtrots the Ming Mole, threatening implicitly to take the puppies off the leash, and your IQ just plummets. It like drops 60 points in one hit. Resistance is useless. You buy that saxophone holder. Free torch for you, Adam. Well done, son. Number two from a dude named Barry Jenkins. Modal separation is the process in which electric Jesus differentiates Tesla cars, e.g. modal S, Modal 3, etc. Quite clever also, Barry. An electric Jesus. Such a charismatic bullshitter. Endlessly entertaining. Free torch for you, BJ. Well done. And answer number one now from Joey L. Modal separation would be if Olight bought every advertising slot on R Media and the Warrior Mini subsequently became the shock winner of Wheels Car of the Year 2021. Quite right, Joey. Very perceptive too, dude. After endless love affairs with Volvos and last year, shitbox EQC, bullshit car of the year. <laughs> Why not make a flashlight wheels car of the year? It's not as if that would be in any way less credible, at least in my view. 
So, you three dudes are now proud owners of the awesome Warrior Mini Flashlight. As <laughs> to collect on this, just follow me on the Twitters and then direct message me your details privately and I'll get the dudes at Olight to ship out your Warrior Minis. Let me know if you are not in Australia because that could be a problem. I'm not sure, I haven't crossed that bridge. And if you did not win but you want one of these mighty flashlights, link and code in the description below for 10% off. <laughs> Land Rover Defender. Now, such an enduring shit heap. Land Rover Australia, such grubby behaviour, laminated with incompetence at preservation. You can take the Land Rover out of Ford pretty clearly, and they did that around a decade ago, but you cannot take the shitbox out of Land Rover, seemingly. It's stuck up there like a barbed wire enema. Hurts so good. For a background briefing on all of this, all new shit heap Defender that is, just check out TFL, The Fast Lane, an awesome retardistani YouTube channel. The Fast Lane bought a Land Rover Defender. Hashtag mistake. Less than 200 miles later, the check engine light came on. The dealership reset that for them. Then the car's camera system took a big steaming dump in its trousers and could not be repaired. Oh well. So, Land Rover America, mindful of the channel's audience, offered to replace the vehicle. And the replacement defender lobs, okay? And the dealership is fitting the winch which they requested, right? Genius technician slices through a wiring harness. Oops-a-daisy. Problematically, that harness cannot be replaced or repaired. TFL is thus awaiting their third shit heap defender and they are yet to achieve four figures on the odometer. What else could possibly go wrong? Let's find out in future episodes. And as of today, I guess they could have walked further off-road in the circumstances. Yes. Meanwhile, here in the land of the mad rooting bogan, the overweight caravan hauling imbecile... A chap with admittedly poor impulse control named Chris Garcher recently decided that he had too much money and not enough pain in his automotive life. He fell in lust with a Defender and its rolling Wi-Fi hotspot capability. Yes. So he dropped 95 grand on this regrettable infatuation. That's at least four years' worth of truly inspirational and very, very stern indeed. Some would say merciless flogging at current market rates, at least according to my investigation. Just saying. Hilariously, despite the hotspot being advertised on Land Rover Shitsville's website, it wasn't actually fitted to or available in Mr. Garcher's Defender. Like, missed it by. The dealer offered him a Wi-Fi dongle instead. I'd suggest that's hardly the same thing. Then, when they upped the ante, they offered to swap the vehicle over for a model year 22 Defender at no cost, which apparently will have Wi-Fi capability, maybe. 
if it ever gets here. If Land Rover Shitsville would agree to consider building you a model year 22 Land Rover Defender in the same specification as your current vehicle but with Wi-Fi hotspot, which in my investigation I believe will actually be standard in Australia, whilst you continue to drive your current Defender and we change you over into that vehicle at no cost to you, would you consider that as a remedy? That is a rare moment of reasonableness from a car dealer, clearly trying to do the right thing. Shout out to Gold Coast Land Rover for not being abject assholes in all of this, even though this kind of thing is seemingly a breach of the franchise agreement. So there's that. Mr. Garcha said, okay. Then, of course, Land Rover Shitsville head office got involved and things went kind of downhill. A war and peace email from a dude named Anthony ensued, the team leader of the so-called Land Rover Shitsville Customer Relationship Centre. I do find it, frankly, remarkable that you can be a $100,000-ish customer and yet not be entitled to know the name, like the full name, of the person you are actually dealing with at head office whose core function is relationship restoration. <sighs> Way to build a relationship, dickheads. Bottom line, Land Rover can't supply a replacement defender for 18 to 24 months. They're not prepared to let Mr. Garcher drive his depreciating shitbox for that time, awaiting said replacement, and they can't guarantee the specifications of the replacement in any case. So, they offered Mr. Garcher a refund of 95 grand and a $6,000 ex gratia payment, subject to him signing their filthy gag order. Essentially, this represents the refund Mr. Garcher seems entitled to under consumer law because the product did not match the description and the promises made about it by the manufacturer. And we do have sort of legislation to protect us from this kind of thing. Only, obviously, they're doing this without any admission of fault by Land Rover or the dealer. Plus, he gets six grand to shut up about all of this for eternity, lest all of Land Rover's lawyers come after Mr. Garcher for damages as only asshole corporate lawyers can. Upliftingly enough, I have managed to get my hands on a copy of the proposed six-page gag order. In truth, only part of it is a gag order. It's a deed of settlement and release, at least according to the lawyers, and up the top, imposingly enough, confidential not to be disclosed, in all caps, which does seem somewhat scary, doesn't it? Especially if it comes at you from a bunch of lawyers, all right? So having consulted my lawyer about this issue on a few different occasions, my take on it is that party A cannot impose the condition of confidentiality upon party B, unless party B agrees. So if a bunch of lawyers send you something and say, confidential, not to be disclosed, then that's not binding upon you unless you sign it or otherwise enter into a contract agreeing to confidentiality, right? So you'd want to be pretty careful, wouldn't you, therefore, if you just send something to, I don't know, a journalist and you say, 
This is confidential, but I thought you might want to know. Because there's no guarantee that that won't get publicised and there's no obligation upon the journalist to keep that information confidential unless there's an underlying contract. And this is kind of a big deal if your job rides on your anonymity or something of that nature. So you'd really want to trust the person you are sending something confidential. Okay, so there's that. But in relation to lawyers sending you pages like this that say confidential, not to be disclosed, my take on that... And obviously Mr Garcher felt the same way because, hey... It's in my hands, isn't it? And clause number five of this contract relates to what they call publicity, but it's really the confidentiality obligation in this proposed contract. And when you read it, you realise just how far-reaching and just how many speed humps this could potentially throw at you between now and the end of your life, because that's kind of the duration of this sort of agreement. So let's have a little read, shall we? Just bear with me because it's full of legalese, lawyer bullshit jargon, all right? Number five, publicity. The customer shall directly or indirectly refrain from making any oral or written statement or representation or furnish any information to any third party which A relates to the background negotiations or settlement of any dispute between Land Rover Schittsville and or the dealer on one hand and the customer on the other in connection to this vehicle. So I guess if you were planning on, I don't know, training a chimpanzee to type the unauthorised biography of this saga to get around the contract in some way, then you can't, because directly or indirectly from making any oral or written whatever, okay? B, you can't do that if it relates to the safety and or performance of the vehicle, all right? So no comment whatsoever by you in the future about safety or performance of the vehicle. You can't even say, well, it was a bit slow uphill at a dinner party 20 frigging years from now. And C, you can't make any comment in this way that may harm, injure or damage or have the tendency to harm, injure or damage the reputation of Land Rover Schittsville and or the dealer, their directors, servants or agents and their subsidiary or related companies. So you can't say anything critical now or into the future about the company generally. And who knows what the future might bring in relation to your interaction between uh, that company and yourself or that company and your family. One of your children might buy a Land Rover because, hey, kids never listen to their parents, do they? And that, that might go really badly, like really badly, in the worst possible way, and you are gagged, baby. You can't say a friggin' thing. And the rest of this Clause 5 down here just basically says that the company is entitled to commence injunctive proceedings in court to prevent you from doing any of that if they think you're going to and get uh, get back any loss of profits, damages or loss or injury to reputation and damages for any direct, indirect, special or consequential loss, injury, costs or expenses suffered by Land Rover Schittsville and or the dealer in any way resulting from your conduct or breach of this deed. Okay, so this is all pretty serious for six grand, isn't it? In my view, at least, and obviously Mr. Garch's as well, six grand's a little bit too cheap to be selling that. 
I'd suggest, you know, particularly when the 95 grand is something that consumer law says you are entitled to without entering into any more of these sort of burdensome clauses and lawyerese jargon and all of that stuff. You're entitled to the refund because the product didn't match the description that it was advertised as having these capabilities. Like, how hard is this? Anyway, I have to say, that I had some reservation about publicising this because I didn't want to make myself a speed hump between Mr Garcha and getting 95 grand back because 95 grand is a lot of hoot and I didn't want to make it more of an uphill battle than it's already been for him. I mean, he's already had a billion emails in exchange between himself and the dealer and himself and Land Rover Shitsville. So anyway, I didn't want to torpedo that, but it turns out that I needn't have worried. No concerns on their offer, as they wanted to just refund the car and give me six grand, but effectively put all these conditions on me, which no person in their right mind would ever sign. If I slipped up over making a comment, they could come after me for loss of profits. I'm not going to do that for 6K, doesn't cover that sort of risk. Feel free to do whatever you like with the story, as long as you're not sticking it to me. The only thing I ask, if you redact my personal information and stick it to Land Rover to make a point that when they stuff up, they need to own up. Yeah, I agree with all of those points and that makes perfect sense to me. These grubby gag orders in the automotive industry, they just have to stop. And Land Rover is not alone here. Just this year, you know, 2020, my favourite year of all time, and doubtless yours also, I have seen the same thing in general terms from Fiat Chrysler and also my very good friends at the three-pronged suppository we also call Mercedes. What a frankly disgraceful way to have a relationship with a customer. When you go to Land Rover Shitsville's website, okay, you can look at the way they describe the vehicles and their capabilities and the relationship you will have with the vehicles and them. This is huge, right? The relationship part. And I would suggest respectfully to you that carmaker websites essentially perform the same function as fluffers on the set of a pornographic movie, metaphorically. It's all about the facilitation of desire. You have to want it, right? And you have to want it bad. You have to want it viscerally. That's what those websites are all about. The promises are all over. This one is from the Land Rover Shitsville homepage, and I extracted this quote today. We've always believed in going above and beyond. This resilience has never been more appropriate. Our global family will do everything we can to support people with the passion and capability Land Rover is so proud of. I don't know about you, but when I read that gag order, it seems to me there is a massive disconnect between the claims the company makes about important matters, such as, quote, doing everything we can to support people by going, quote, above and beyond with, quote, Passion and capability. Hashtag FFS. When you juxtapose the two things, right, the claims about conduct and the reality of that conduct, it's almost like a joke that writes itself, only it's not funny. To me, Mr. Garcher's experience demonstrates how the company actually behaves towards people rightfully in need of its support.
It demonstrates how that conduct is completely different to how Land Rover claims it behaves. A car maker attempting to gag a customer after the car maker makes a 95000 buck promise, which it cannot deliver. It's morally reprehensible. It's a grubby attack on Mr Garch's freedom of speech, in my view. Remember, Land Rover is not being generous here. Like, a full refund is a legislated consumer entitlement in these circumstances. Circumstances about which there appears to be no dispute between Mr Garcher, the dealer, and the carmaker. It seems to me Land Rover Shitsville is simply not above using its power to leverage Mr Garcher's understandable dissatisfaction and hold out a carrot in exchange for a gag, which seems asymmetric to me and morally reprehensible. The Mafia does business this way, seemingly. Like, just change a few details here, and this becomes exactly the kind of deal you would have entered into with someone like John Gotti. I'm trying to see an ethical dimension here. I am really trying to see a moral justification for giving Land Rover Shitsville the benefit of the doubt in relation to this conduct. And frankly, I am failing. Maybe I'm just not seeing it. Mark Cameron is the managing director of Land Rover Shitsville. He is a former Ford sales and marketing executive. To Mr Cameron, I would say... You can do better than this, dude. You really can. There is a way not only to recalibrate your organisation's apparently defective moral compass on issues of this nature, but also to serve your own commercial best interests. And who doesn't want that? Instead of placing these onerous and immoral burdens on customers, and it does seem breathtakingly immoral to make the customer pay when you fuck up. Why don't you just throw him a bone? Like, refund the car, apologise sincerely for said fuck up, offer him some inducements in good faith, like stick him in a disco for six months and a rangy for another six and invite him to some, I don't know, VIP drive event. Like, Here's a free car for a year and a couple of cracks at flogging a Range Rover through all of this mud. <laughs> and please do continue to love us. That doesn't cost Land Rover very much. Like, car makers do this all the time with journalists and footballers and celebrities and social media influencers. It's what they do. This would not only stifle Mr Garcher's understandable critical commentary in relation to your failure to supply the product as advertised, but it would also turn Mr Garcher into a 24-carat Land Rover evangelist. Like, dude, imagine two parallel universes. Like this one, where Mr Garcher reaches out to automotive antichrist superstar here in the Fat Cave with this seemingly legitimate complaint exacerbated by your grubby gag order and another universe where he downplays an honest error which you made and he talks up endlessly the steps you subsequently took to turn his friggin' frown upside down. In the parallel universe, of course, parallel Mark Cameron would probably sell, I don't know, an additional 15 or 20 cars off the back of a move such as this. 
which would more than offset the depreciation of Mr. Garcher's long-term test drives. Plus, it would be the right thing to do. Let's not forget, like, there's that. I don't know if this kind of thing matters to you, right or wrong, or your organisation, Mr. Cameron, but it would certainly be far better than this in the context of the public perception of the brand and the way it behaves. If you are in the market for a Land Rover, okay, I urge you in the domain of risk management to consider carefully Mr. Garcher's experience and Land Rover Schittsville's conduct before you make your final decision. And do not forget to check out TFL's wonderfully entertaining Keystone Cops Defender ownership experience in the USA. And if you buy one, don't say I never warned you. 